John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. This is again John 16, 33, direct words from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Hey friend, my name is Brittany Dixon, your host with Courageous Radiance Podcast. I am so thankful that you are listening and joining in today. On this podcast, we get equipped, we are encouraged, and we get anchored in the Word of God. Thanks for listening. Hey y'all, so this is week three. Can you believe it? I, I, I looked at the calendar, like why is it already nearing the end of September? Yet we're here. So this is week three. Today, we are taking Esther 7 and 8. We're taking it in bite sizes, two by two by two. So last week was five and six. Today is seven and eight. And we finish the book next week with Esther 9 and 10. I pray that you're reading along, whether you've already read it, reading back through, you're going to read it after the podcast. We're doing this together, gleaning, sharing notes and all of the things of what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you while you're reading this as well, because that's really what this podcast in this blog is about, being anchored in Christ to his unshakable foundation, drinking and swimming and bathing in his well is us not only walking with God, this oneness and fellowship with God, but it is in his word. And we don't have the ability to flourish into our better selves, doing it apart from Jesus. Jesus says in John 15 that we have to remain in him, 15 verses uh, 4 through 7. We have to remain in him as that branch that's connected to that tree. You know, once that branch is, is separated and it's on the ground, give it some days, some weeks, for sure some months in a, in a cold season that comes, it's a wrap. That branch is, has no sustaining life in it. So we go around day by day. I don't know if you can identify, but this is where I was, where I'm like, okay, I'm doing all of the Jesus things. I'm going to church. I'm reading my word. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm doing all these things, but why? It's just... It doesn't seem like I have very much life in me. Everything feels mundane and monotonous and and even overwhelming. I'm I have I have nothing to give, God. There's nothing there. And I remember this day very vividly about six, seven years ago. And when Jesus came, I, I was already saved, but when Jesus came and reframed how I was living and what I was doing and why, the why behind, my motive behind, y'all, it was so freeing. So friend, I don't know if that's you. I don't know if you're new to this podcast. If you've been listening to this podcast, if you're new, welcome. Hey girl, I'm so glad that you're here. If you've been listening every single week, this is my, this is my heart for you, is that we don't just get through the day. I don't know if you ever start off your day like, oh, let me just get to the day, get to when I can get in my bed and go to sleep. This is, I mean, we will have days like that, but our flourish, our better version is in alignment with God's plan for our lives. So how can we do that apart from him? So that's my little spiel. Head to the blog, CourageousRadiance.com, as well as um, Instagram, at CourageousRadiance. Facebook group made with you in mind just for you. And that's Courageous Radiance. I would love to connect 
hear how your reading is going, just connect with you in general, hear any pain points, questions you may have, all of the above. I'm really um, excited to do that. As well as the ebook. If you are married, thinking about being married one day at some point, maybe you're engaged. Listen, principles, tips, devotions, how to pray for our spouses in dry seasons. So I think I've said enough about that. And let's hop into Esther chapters seven and eight. So in me, we read at the beginning, that was Jesus. Jesus said, this world, oh yes, it's going to give you trouble. If you lived more than five days in your life, it's going to give you trouble. There is trouble coming or you are in trouble right now. Or you just left some trouble. One of the one of the buckets you fall in. So Jesus says the hope, the hope. So we can have hope while we're in the trouble. We don't have to be at the end like woof, you know, wiping our brow like we made it. That's great, and that's and we can celebrate all of that. But Jesus actually provides us hope while we're in the fire. He says in me and to be courageous because not because we're so awesome sauce. I mean, we are, but our real awesome sauce is because of who we are tied to, which is Jesus. So um, just a synopsis of where we kind of have read and and where we're picking up today and and Esther 7 and 8. Remember, um, Esther had this big, you know, weight, this calling on her um, to advocate for her people, for the Jewish people who have a planned annihilation coming, an extinction coming from Susa, the kingdoms where King Azarias Edict covers, which is Susa, um, all the way to, so it's really Ethiopia, all the way up until um, India. So, Scripture will say his kingdom is the 127 provinces from India to Kush. So nowadays, Ethiopia to India, um, very vast space, right? Big coverage, many different Jews living um, amongst those different provinces. And um, there's this edict that's that's went out that. Haman, who is an enemy of the Jews, he is from the line of Amalek, the Malachites, because of King Agag, who was left alive because King Saul did not finish and destroy and follow God's instruction. So here we are, this day and time, not the current day and time, but at that point in time where here's now the head up of Israelites against this Amalekite descendant who has used his position. He's manipulated his position because the king is like checked out. He's like, whatever, whatever. Yep. Do, do what you feel is best. And Haman uses that as an opportunity to say, kill the Jews. I am going to do two things. I am going to avenge myself against Mordecai, who is not paying homage to me. He's not bowing and honoring me because this he's prideful. And and he's one of those rulers that's like, you do what I say because I say it. Being because I said I said it. So he's going to be that type of ruler. Um, not ruling out of his influence, but out of his position. So he's got that piece. So he wants to kill Mordecai because Mordecai offended him and all of his pride. And 
then he is avenging his people. So he knew that God was going to wipe out the Amalekites and did not entirely, at least Saul left some, but he's like, oh no, no, no. So we're going to take them out. So there's two things. There's two things that are happening here in which the Jewish people are like literally fearing for their life because this edict is going to take place in what is our current nowadays December. Um, it was it was placed out in March, April ish. So but yeah, this month of Adar, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So month by month by month. I mean, just imagine just again this diagnosis, this death sentence that you know you're about to die. And God just reverses. He literally spins the table here. So all this kind of leads up to chapter seven. So Mordecai had already prior um, helped the king. Uh, He shared a plot that was going to take him out and he was never honored for it. And God, in all of his favor and all of his providence, was working behind the scenes, kept the king up one night. And and who wakes up and just like, I want to read this history book of what's going on. And then he found out that his life was spared by somebody, found out that that somebody was Mordecai, who was never honored, brings Haman in, calls for Haman to honor this person who saved his life. Meanwhile, Haman was actually walking in to say, hey, I built a 75 foot gallon to hang Mordecai. I need to kill him. And at that point, that's where we launch into this week, where already Mordecai is like being honored in which Haman was hoping that he was going to be hanging and die. Didn't happen. Well, in Haman's, the back of his mind, it's the thought of, well, you know what? That month of Adar is coming and either way he's going to die because he fits into this Jewish population, which is going to be extinct. So I'm sure that the hope was like, okay, I don't want to do this, but it's okay because his comeuppance will happen. So this is where we lead. Esther had already had one banquet with Haman as well as with the king. Not sure if she got scared or if this was really God hand holding her step by step, telling her, no, 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 hold on. Don't say anything just yet. So she tells the king, we're going to meet again for another banquet. And Haman's like, yep, I'm so special. I'll get another banquet with the king and queen. Awesome, awesome, awesome sauce. And at this banquet, here we go. Here we go, girl. So this is where she is like, all right. So the king is like, have out with it. Like, what is it that you need? Whatever you seek, whatever it is that you want to the half of of my kingdom, give it, give it. That in of itself, without using the word favor, is God's favor. God has already made an impression on the heart of the king, has already been working behind the scenes to even A, give her the audience of the king and B, soften his heart where he's willing to listen. And then C, this joker don't even care. He's like, sure, whatever you say, right? So, I mean, she's got all of this in her favor because of a providential God. And we've talked about that some weeks prior. So, you know, she goes on to just talk about her request. If I found favor with you, I have this request and I need you to save my life because I am going to die. And my people are also going to die because 
So I need I need you to to spare my life. And imagine for a second. I mean, I'm sure he was probably drinking on some wine, eating, probably choked on himself to think about, wait, wait, what? Save your life. So he, by, by verse five, this is chapter seven, verse five, King Azariah spoke up and asked Queen Esther, who is this and where is the one who would devise such a scheme? <laughs> and then boom, Esther answered. This is verse, this is verse six. The adversary and enemy is this evil Haman. Y'all, I wish I could have been at that banquet to see Haman's face. So talk about pass out, fall out your chair. So terrified, scared, the king, who we already know from chapter one has some anger issues. He leaves the banquet to go, you know, get himself together, compose himself. And then when he comes back in, he sees that Haman, who's pleading and begging for Esther's forgiveness, he's falling all over her and not good, you know, aesthetics there. And he's like, wait, so now you gonna defile my wife in front of me? Really? So you already have plotted to kill her and her people. And then now you're literally hanging all on my wife? Nah, somebody take this dude out. So this is literally how this, <laughs> this is how this is all rolled. It's, it's quite hilarious how someone so prideful and in such a high seat has had the rug removed from underneath him. So I love verse nine, though. I circled Harbona, one of, this is chapter seven, one of the king's eunuchs said, there is a gallows 75 feet tall at Haman's house that he made for Mordecai, who gave the report that saved the king. The king said, hang him on it. So boom, that 75 foot gallow, talk about a reversal, right? That plan that was meant to hang and to kill Mordecai, not only was Mordecai honored in the chapter before, now the device used to kill Mordecai actually killed the person who devised it. Only God. Only God can do that. That is restoration. Restoration. So I wrote here, restoration in Christ, restoration by Christ, restoration for Christ. So I actually want to flip over to 2 Chronicles 32 verses 7 and 8. This is... Um, King Hezekiah. And there was this invasion by this King Sennacherib. And um, I can never say his name, but he's, he's the king of Assyria. And they were coming into Judah. And I want to read verse seven. It says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged before the king of Assyria or before the large enemy that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. He has only human strength, but we have the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. So the people relied on the words of King Hezekiah of Judah. Just imagine this is kind of like his team huddle. And they're all like, okay, here they come. The Syrians, they're going to kick our butt. We're going to lose. We're going to die. And it's almost like, you know, King Hezekiah, I have a picture of him slapping his team. Like, come on, shake out of it. Uh Uh-uh. We, who we are rolling with is way stronger than who and what they're rolling with. And also this, this same, uh, phrase, so to speak, is also in, um, second Kings and second Kings. It talks about this too. This is with Elisha, second Kings chapter six, 
verse 16. Elisha said, don't be afraid for those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So there was this Armenian war, this, the king of Aram who was coming against Israel and um, Elisha's servant, you know, he was fearful. He was like, we're going to, we're going to die. And, and he's like, uh, we're, we're good. No, 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 no. We're, we're, I'm, so Elisha had been helping the king of Israel. He was, you know, giving, he was helping give the war plans, basically. And the king Aram of Aram was, he thought he had a traitor, you know, in foot. And he was like, how does this, how do they know what we're about to do? And someone spoke up and said, no, it's because of Elisha. He's giving these war plans and um, to the king of Israel, which is how they're beating us. So anyways, that's why they were coming against Elisha. And I love this picture. Can you imagine, can you imagine just a veil right now in your living room at your job while you're driving, wherever, can you imagine a veil being removed and by God's grace, a veil being removed and God opening your eyes and letting you see this world that is invincible, but yet very real. This world that fuels the, the visibility of what we see. That world is very real. Even though we live in a society and we're in a day and time that wants to reject God and reject the, the things of Christ, there is a very real invincible world behind our viewpoint. And I just would love to see it. But by faith, by faith, Hebrews talks about, I mean, so I know it's there. I don't have to see it. But man, can you imagine if you had that veil removed? I mean, I'm not saying that you would just like skip into battles of that, that you're walking into at work or just, you know, you would just be like Mary Poppins around here with difficult kids or, you know, just loving your husband so easily who's difficult. But man, just take a quick moment to just think about if God lifted that veil. I wonder if that difficult spouse, that difficult boss, that that plan that isn't working, that diagnosis, which you're staring at, whatever it is that is against you, when you see the hand and the power of God behind that or above that and around that, that's restoration, restoration in Christ, restoration by Christ, restoration for Christ. So it's like this adversity, this pressure, conflict, whatever you want to say, it's just all that the Jews had experienced, they were literally fresh from exile, now have this extinction plan against them. And I, I can't imagine their spiritual exhaustion. They're in deep mourning, knowing what's ahead. And the stage has been set and God has a planned restoration. So our conflicts, no, no different than theirs, our conflicts and, you know, Indeed, they're hard and, and even life altering. But when we are in Christ, in Christ, this restoration is coming by Christ and for Christ, we are refined. So I am excited about this courageous reversal for you. There was a courageous reversal for Mordecai and Esther. 
But if we keep reading then into chapter eight, you have to, so great, Haman's now dead, the, the, the enemy of the Jews, but wait, there's still an edict. There's still an edict that has to go forward. So even if you have read in the book of Daniel, remember Daniel was thrown into the lions and he was set up because they knew that, um, this Darius had, if he set this edict that he can't revoke it, he can't reverse it. So they pretty much set up Daniel. So then that's why Daniel had to be thrown into the lion's den, even though King Darius didn't want to, but God protected Daniel. So just the same way that it couldn't be revoked, it can't be revoked here. So unfortunately this edict stands, but, but again, the hand and fingerprint of God. So even though this royal edict is still written and, and set, you know, as verse, this is chapter eight, verse uh, five, uh, Esther is like, if I have found favor, like pretty much she's like repeating herself and repeating herself. If, if you keep seeing it between the two chapters, because she knows that what she's asking is impossible. She's smart. She knows that this is not something that King Azarias is even able to do. But again, the fingerprints of God by verse eight, um, King Azariah says, write in the king's name, whatever pleases you concerning the Jews and seal it with the royal signet, a document written in the king's name and sealed with the royal signet cannot be revoked. So this prior edict, which cannot be revoked, he's going to meet that edict with a new one, which cannot be revoked. And the new one is going to be written by uh, Queen Esther, as well as Mordecai. And it's going to, it's going to revoke this attack, this, this, um, destruction planned for the Jews. And I think that God is amazing. <laughs> if I haven't said that already, I just think that God is amazing. He literally is giving them the ability in every city, in every province, remember it's 127 provinces that allows the Jews to defend themselves and if needed to kill and destroy. And, and again, this is out of defense because of the prior edict. There's still people, even though Haman is gone, I'm sure there are still people who are wanting the Jews to be annihilated, who want the Jews to die. So this new edict allows for the Jews to defend themselves. And I just am amazed that only God can reverse. Verse 15 um, of chapter eight, Mordecai went from the king's presence clothed in royal blue and white with a great gold crown and purple robe of fine linen. The city of Susa shouted and rejoiced and the Jews celebrated or had light with gladness joy and honor. In every province and in every city where the king's command and edict reached, gladness and joy took place among the Jews. There was a celebration and a holiday, the holiday of Purim. And many of the ethnic groups of the land professed themselves to be Jews because fear of the Jews had overcome them. So not only had God maintained his name, not only is God all about his business and about his purposes. This also brought new people into this belief now, because remember, this was a um, an idol worshiping, a pagan culture. So in this trial, lives are now also saved and changed. And only God can do this. Only God can reverse as well as um, to fulfill 
uh, his purposes. So even in spite of loss, because, you know, when I think of reversal, some things can't be reversed. You know, when I think of if if there's a, a loved one who's been who's passed away. So the reversal isn't OK. They come back and alive. But in spite of that loss, where is God going to fill? What gaps is he going to fill in holes and crevices so that it doesn't take away or it doesn't say that that life is just um, no longer important because it's, it's gone? But he'll fill that gap and he'll repurpose and, and give a light and a joy and a gladness like we just read in scripture. So my takeaways, and there's three, God will accomplish his purposes. And this is in Esther 7 verses 9 and 10, Esther 8 and 9. Second is God restores what is lost. He fills those holes, y'all, and he heals. This is Esther 8, 15. And, and my third, God's favor leads and protects from behind. And this is Esther 7 verses 1 and 2. Last part I just want to read is is in Exodus um, 14, 14. And all of this is on the blog, just to say that again. Um, on the blog, I hope you get subscribed, freebies all the time that will come out to you and just ways to equip and to grow um, in your anchor journey. Um, I would love for you to grab those free journal, etc. But also on the blog is going to be these scriptures, um, just in case you happen to miss them. So in Exodus 14, 14, this is with Moses. Um, actually, let's read verse 13, then 14. Um, but Moses said to the people, don't be afraid, stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today will never, you, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you must be quiet. Be quiet, be still. Just let the Lord fight for you. That's what happened with Mordecai and Esther. The Lord fought for them. The Lord fought for the Jewish people. The Lord stood in the gap. There was an evil devised plan of which God was like, I'm accomplishing something bigger and greater. I'm actually working on something from time ago that was never done. And I have to go make this right in my power, in my strength and in my ability. So friend, I pray that this encourages you wherever this reaches you, wherever this hits you. And you know, the the thing for me that really encouraged me with this is just even if it feels like you are in the pit or even if it feels like there is just you know, where is God? God's name, Lord, is never mentioned anywhere in this book. There's never a point when you see Esther crying out to the Lord or Mordecai. And, and they probably were, but it's not written. And you don't see Mordecai doing a whole prayer about, you know, to God, please help, please help. You don't hear his name at all. But yet his fingerprints are all throughout the book. And that's our lives. So even in the times that it seems like, God, where are you? How is this possible, God? Why am I here? I really pray that you find so much encouragement in and throughout this book that we've been reading so far. And I pray that it's been edifying to you. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I will see y'all here next week. 
as we finish up the book of Esther. In the meantime, share this. Please share this with one other person that you know that this can be an encouragement for, as well as get subscribed to the blog, as well as um, just enjoy your week, friend. Find at least one thing that you can see what God has done. This is a piece about journaling that I really do love. Because I will read back journals and I'll remember. It brings to, to, to memory things that God has, has really saved me from, things that he's brought me through. So I pray that this be encouraging to you as well.